If you brought your Bible, we're going to be in the third chapter of Colossians. This is week seven of nine, so no Star Trek jokes unless you get it. If you got it, there you go. Hey, I have a question for you. Why do we struggle with some relationships? Think about it. Why do we struggle with some relationships? I'm going to give you the answer. Because they're mandatory. Have you ever thought about that? There are mandatory relationships that we don't choose. They're just there. And then there's the non-mandatory relationships that we either have or can walk away from. So I want you to think of this as a fish tank. When my son Henry was born, Henry is a little over two, our oldest had an opportunity to pick out fish for a fish tank. If anyone's ever walked down there, what is in the new splash room? There's a big fish tank. And what's in the fish tank? There's fish. How did they get there? A two-year-old named Ruby Grace walked into a pet store, and she could barely speak, but you know what she could do? Pick out fish. And so she walked around the store, and, and she wanted this one, and she wanted this one, and she wanted this one. And if you know anything about fish and fish tanks, if you look at our aquarium, you'll see it's kind of random. The assortment is kind of random. It almost looks like a two-year-old picked out the fish <laughs> in the aquarium, because I have a secret for you. A two-year-old picked out the fish in the aquarium. Now, here's what's interesting. Our relationships can be like that. Your fish tank is a collection of mandatory relationships, and it's unique just to you. Think about that for a second, and we have a slide for this. Your fish tank is your unique collection of mandatory relationships. Maybe you have relationships in your workplace, and you got a job, and you showed up, and you were expecting to pick all your own staff, right? Except you actually don't have anyone who reports to you. You just report to nine bosses, and they all have different expectations. They're part of your fish tank. Okay, you with me so far? Then you meet a wonderful person, and you're so excited, and you get married. And what do you get? In-laws. They're part of your fish tank. And then, let's keep going. And then your kids are old enough to have friends of their own. And you love every single one of their friends, right? Amazing choices. Nope, but welcome to your fish tank. Do you start to see? And then what do you notice with the world of interconnectivity and social media and Facebook, right? Then you start to notice that all the fish tanks are sort of connected and there's all these mutual friends and then you go to a family party and the different members of your fish tank start to get to know each other. Have you noticed this? Because every single one of us has a unique collection of mandatory relationships we can't get out of. Now, I want to be clear what it's not. Have you ever gone to a gas station? And have you ever had a bad experience at a gas station? I did. I had a gas station I was going to for about three years. And then I realized that they didn't really treat me very well, and I didn't need to go there. So you know what I haven't done for five years? Go to that gas station. Because it's not part of my fish tank. The problem is, is that most relationships are part of your fish tank. They're not like that. And I'm going to give you a word of caution. If we treat every relationship like a gas station that you can walk away from, what happens? We become kind of isolated kind of narcissistic, and just we're just quitting jobs, and we're moving all the time, and we're just 
not having God's best for our lives. Amen? So what I invite you to say is, okay, I have a fish tank, a unique set of mandatory relationships. Now, why do I struggle? It's because in my fish tanks, do you see that little thing where I have Jesus at the center of it? I struggle, or you struggle, all of us struggle at times with mandatory relationships because we can have either the gospel of Jesus saturate our life and our fish tank, or we can have something else, a false gospel. What is a gospel? A gospel is good news. Can we agree that in this world there is bad news? So therefore, we have to figure out what good news am I going to bring into my fish tank? I can't escape my fish tank, so I've got to bring news into it. What is a false gospel we look at? Let me delineate a pretty classic one. Life's supposed to be perfect, right? My kids, Ruby's four, and her big thing right now is this isn't fair. And I'm sitting and trying to say, like, you're right. Life isn't fair. I don't know what to tell you. But no, a false gospel is life should be fair. A lack of perfection is the problem. Think about it in your fish tank. Think about all your relationships, your family members, your people at work, your kids' friends, etc., right? A lack of perfection is the problem. So change and control lead to perfect, right? A better now is the answer, so we keep doing what? We change things. Maybe we move. Maybe we quit a job. Maybe we are kind of nasty and rude to someone and push someone away. That's a false gospel, and at all times, we can struggle with this. Every single person at times has had to deal with some of this that we're trying to deal with our mandatory relationships. Now, the gospel of Jesus isn't just a religious checklist. It's not, and it's not simply something that we deal with on Sunday morning. It should infiltrate our fish tank, and let me show you the difference. What's the problem? Sin. Everybody falls short. We're made in the image of God, but our actions and our thoughts and our lifestyles and etc. miss the mark. We're powerless over that. No amount of change, control, or good vibes is going to fix that. Can we agree? However, Jesus is the answer. We must have faith. If we bring the gospel of Jesus into our fish tank, we have Jesus in our fish tank, in our relationships. When we bring the false gospel, you know what we're trying to bring? A shark. Do you know the problem with the shark? The shark gets hungry. It starts eating people. And you know what happens when the shark has eaten everybody else? It eats me too. We got to be careful. When we simply just try to change and control, it's not the way. And this is what the Apostle Paul is writing to the Colossians about. We, for seven weeks, been in a four-chapter letter. And in this letter, here's, if you're first time with us, here's what we're doing. If you've been here every week or some of the weeks, here's the recap. There's this guy named the Apostle Paul. His old name was Saul of Tarsus. He used to be this hateful, angry guy who brought sharks into his fish tank and got excited when Stephen the Christian was killed. That happened in the Bible. And then he realized, because Jesus appeared to him, and he realized that's not the way to live. That's not helpful. He turned, and for a really long time, he had to get his life in order with Jesus' help and the Christians in his life. The Bible actually says 14 years. Then he has an opportunity to start doing cool stuff for Jesus, 
after all that time. And he's writing now to a group of people that he's never met, that he will never meet, and that he didn't really have any sort of role planting them. But what he wants them to see is, hey, your relationships matter, and your relationships, when they get off the rails, when they get off base, there's something you can do. You can bring Jesus into it. Now, he's going to be talking about a unit that was the basic unit of family life in his context. It was the Roman household. So you're going to notice this is a passage that's a challenging passage for a few things. If you go into the third chapter of Colossians, what you're going to see is that this is one of those texts that has been used a lot of different ways by a lot of different people, and that people can really take it and weaponize it. And I'm going to just be really frank with you. The first part we're going to talk about is it's going to say in verse 18, wives submit to your husbands. And the challenge is, is that in our world of fish tanks historically, that has been weaponized. You're going to see that what Paul is actually doing is he's taking the basic unit of Roman life and he's showing how the gospel transforms every relationship. How in our lives too, not that we're then going to recreate the Roman household because we're not, what we're going to do is we're going to say, wow, I have mandatory relationships. We'll look at three initial ones that Paul's going to describe. He's going to say, wives do this, husbands do this, children do this. And we're going to look at all of that and say, hey, those are all actions that provide a framework for every person. Whether I'm married, whether I'm single, whether I'm old, whether I'm young, these actions provide a framework for how I deal with the mandatory relationships in my life and how I start to have a measure of peace and I start to have a measure of happiness. So we're going to see that. And I want to show you this because it's the big idea. Meredith made a joke that I always like a big idea. I do. Guilty as charged. We're going to read it together in three, two, one. Jesus, please be the center of my relationships. That sounds good with Thanksgiving coming, doesn't it? The Thanksgiving dinner table. Let's read it again. Jesus, please be the center. Notice who's the center. Is it David be the center? Is it you be the center? Okay, let's read it one more time. Then we'll get started. Let's look at a framework. In three, two, one. Jesus, please be the of okay, so we're in the text. First part of it says this. So Apostle Paul starts by saying, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Okay, so the first part is submit. Now, here's what's interesting. This is talked about in other parts by Paul, and there's other places where he says, submit to one another. So I want to take not just this behavior in one part of the family unit, but I want to say, wow, I've got a fish tank of relationships, and there are times where I need to appropriately submit as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. So let's explain what submit is. Submit comes from a Greek word, hypotasso, which means to be willing to go along with the wishes of others. Do you notice what it didn't say? It didn't say submit is laying down on train tracks. It didn't say submit is having no needs. It didn't say submit is being helpless or a victim or a martyr. It's being willing to appropriately go along with the wishes of others. Interesting. 
Hmm, okay. Jesus' example. Jesus submits all over the place. Have you ever noticed this in the New Testament? I want to throw up a graphic. When we think of Jesus, Jesus submitted to his parents as a child. Do you remember that? He goes into the temple and he's teaching and they're amazed by his authority. And his parents are like, Jesus, you ran away. Like, that's not helpful. And he goes back with them. And then for another like 22-ish years, he's just kind of with his family until he goes into his ministry. He submits to baptism by John. Again, it's not that he says, I have no needs, I'm a victim, I'm a martyr. In fact, Jesus is very much a strong character and a strong personality, and we're able to look and see courage and strength from Jesus. He's baptized by John, and John's sitting there saying, this is confusing, Jesus. You know, I should be baptized by you. And Jesus says, nope, we need to do this so that all Scripture will be fulfilled because he understands he's going along with things. He gets tempted by Satan. He gets, and he doesn't give in to the temptation by Satan. He's ridiculed by elites. He submits to God's will in Gethsemane. You know that really difficult time where Jesus goes in the garden and he's crouching down and he's sweating blood and he says, yet not my will, but yours. Multiple trials. He has all these trials, beatings, and crucifixion. And so when we think of submission, it's being like Jesus. One of the reasons we get into trouble in our relationships is because we become all about I, me, and myself, don't we? Instead of saying, wow, the Lord was strong and courageous, falling in the tradition of Joshua, and also had times where he appropriately went along with the wishes of others. Let me give you a harmless example, but a helpful one. If you listen to our Through the Bible, you'll know that this past week I was sick because there's two episodes where I sound really awful on it, and people were laughing and making fun of me. Our Through the Bible, if you don't know what that is, we've this year done from January 1st to December 31st, Genesis to Revelation, and we've gone through every single day on Spotify, and you can just read along as we read through the Bible. And so that day when I was sick, my wife had a field day at her school. She's a first grade teacher, and Ruby every year is my four-year-old. She goes to the field day. So my wife called up my dad and said, hey, I would like you to bring Ruby to field day. So my dad said, yes, that's submitting. And then my wife said, okay, and there's certain rules you need to follow. He said, yep, what are they? That's submitting. And then they went, and did they just go and create their own field day? No, they just appropriately went along with the expectations and had a great day. That's what submitting is. And when we start to bring that mindset into our lives and into our relationships, a lot of good things happen. Here's the question, though. In your fish tank, in my fish tank, Am I willing to realize that I belong to the Lord, not myself? Because that's one of the big things we see. This text that gets misused at times, it's not, hey, spouse, submit to me and have no needs. It's, hey, submit as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Do we remember that we all belong to the Lord Jesus and we don't only have me, myself, and I but in our lives today, we have these fish tanks, we have these relationships 
We are all connected and all brought together, and the person we serve and belong to is not ourself, but to God and to Jesus. So there's the first one. And that's often the, the most controversial of them, isn't it? So let's follow it up with the next one. Love. Now, we like this one. We also love pizza. Anybody here love Supreme Pizzas? I have some family members in town. One of our family members ordered a Supreme Pizza, and I remembered that too many toppings for me. I don't love Supreme Pizza. But you know what I love? I love black olive and mushroom pizza. But that's not the kind of love that we're talking about. And you're going to see that Paul is not arguing about pizza. He's talking about loving with God's love. Let's see what it says. It says, Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Now, there's many different types of love in the New Testament. There's Greek words. There's four of them. This is agapeo, agape. Have you ever heard of agape love? Agape love is not David loves black olive and mushroom pizza, which is delicious. Raise your hand if you like that, by the way. My new best friends in the room. Everybody else, I don't know what to tell you. I heard someone call me gross, so I'm doubling down. Um, I really did. Okay, so here's the thing. Agape love is God's perfect love. Are you able to have God's perfect love? I mean, like, yes and no, right? We love because he first loved us. So it's not that I'm able to manufacture God's love, but I receive God's love in my life, and then I want to share it with others, right? One of the reasons we did our whole thing before honoring veterans and those who serve is because we've received love, and we want to share it, we want to honor, we want to love. So agape love is an action, not a feeling. But the problem is, is can you agree that we have an instant gratification society? Yeah, okay. What about, um, do you feel like people are ever self-centered? Not our society, right? No, no way. No, never here. No, not in 2023. Uh, Do you ever feel like people are quick-tempered? Do you ever feel like you're quick-tempered? No, okay. Now, here's the thing. Jesus lived out God's agape love. We showed you before with submit. It's really falling in the legacy of Jesus. Same deal on this. And what we see is that love, God's love, not my love of black olive and mushroom pizza, should be the foundation. The right foundation is this. Now, elsewhere, the Apostle Paul tells you what this love is and what it isn't. This love is patient. How hard is that? It's kind of hard. As your kids get older, is it, does it get harder? I have a four-year-old. Am I in for trouble? When my kids are, are 14, like am I toast? Total toast, like burnt toast, right? Like too long in the toaster toast. Kindness. Now here's some things not, right? Oh, I love the not list. We can all feel bad together. No, we don't feel bad together. We say, wow, amen that there is actually a standard that I can follow. And amen that I'm not just feeling like I'm drowning in my fish tank of relationships. But wow, there's perfect God has given me a perfect standard. And I can now repent of myself. I can follow the Holy Spirit's leading in my heart, and my life over time can look more like this. Not jealous. Do we ever get jealous? No, never. Not boastful, not proud, not rude, not demanding. No one's demanding in here, right? What about this? Irritable. Do we have any hangry people right now? It's like 1101. Anybody hangry and irritable? No, never. Doesn't keep score. I'm going to be honest. There's my number one. Sometimes, sometimes people want to know, like, Does your pastor, 
are they a person? I'm a person. Laura, where are you? Where are you? Do I keep score? Well, she's not there. Dad, do I keep score? I work on it, right? So all of us are working. When you look at this, maybe you say, wow, I have some area to work on. Amen, praise God. Okay, rejoices in truth, never gives up, never lose faith, is always hopeful, always endures. This is our foundation. I remember being a little kid, and my aunt and I were house hunting because she was going to get a house. And this is burned into my mind. There was a house that we walked into that when you went into the kitchen, the floor was not like this, but it was like this. And you could literally take a Hot Wheel car and you could race it down the side and it was amazing. Do you know why the floor was like that? Because there was a cracked foundation. My friends, when we don't have a foundation of love and there's problems in our mandatory relationships, our fish tank, maybe part of the problem is I'm not living out God's love. Maybe the problem is Wow, I've been doing a little bit too much demanding, and I've been giving up a little bit too much, and maybe I need to say, Lord, I repent of that. It's not that I can fix all the problems in my relationships, but Lord, would you do a work in my heart and allow me to take responsibility and move forward? And Lord, would you bless that decision? So here's my question for you. What's your foundation? In all those relationships... That whole fish tank, you got all of them together. What's not someone else's relationship, not what's someone else's foundation? Who's the person you have so much trouble with? Maybe it's at work, maybe it's in your family, maybe it's wherever. Is part of the issue that I have the wrong foundation? And I need to say, wow, Lord, you've given me a wonderful opportunity to make that the right foundation because right now my floor is like this. And everybody kind of knows. And they don't really want to tell me that they can run Hot Wheel cars down my floor, but they can because my foundation is cracked. And this is what the Apostle Paul is saying. And finally, we say that the other part of our framework is to obey and to please the Lord. Now, the challenge is, is that we really want people to obey us, don't we? But it's hard for us to obey God. Not even to obey other people, just to obey God. There's all sorts of wonderful language in the Scripture. To obey is better than sacrifice, is what the prophet Samuel tells us in the Old Testament. One of the the best underused parts of the Bible, he says literally, like, you want to do something cool for God? Just obey. You don't need to sacrifice. You don't need to give this up and make a big deal and make a whole ordeal. Just say, hey, Lord, um, you've called me to love my neighbors. I do have neighbors. I can love them. They're mandatory relationships. They're part of my fish tank. I moved in. I didn't choose them. Maybe they aren't the people I would have invited into my friend circle, but here they are. Maybe I can obey God simply by saying I need to love my neighbors. Now, the Apostle Paul here says it like this. He's talking about children because, remember, he's showing us the basic family unit. He starts with wives and husbands and children. He says this, children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. And this obedience comes out of obedience for God. It's hard to do something 
kind of in an isolated vacuum. It's hard to give away something we don't have. It's hard to teach obedience to our children if we're not being obedient to God. It's hard to get our coworkers obeying our bosses when we're not obeying God. It's hard to get our people that report to us obeying us when we're just living life however we want and obeying God. And so that's why the Apostle Paul makes it clear, obey God. This pleases the Lord. Would you agree with me that obedience is barely a concept anymore in society, though? It barely is. The challenge is, is that we all live kind of in the time post Scottie Pippen. Is anybody a huge NBA fan, uh, specifically Bulls? Good. Not a lot of Bulls fans, so I'm not going to tick that many people off. Um, That's good. You're noticing that I'm not picking on the Celtics. I love the Celtics. So the challenge with obedience and disobedience is that there was a guy named Scottie Pippen. And who had he been the Robin to? He had been the Robin to Michael Jordan, right? Then Michael Jordan retired. And he went and played what sport? Soccer, right? Baseball. So Michael Jordan plays baseball. And not very well, but people attend the games anyhow because he's Michael Jordan. And Scottie Pippen has a chance to be the star player. And he's got amazing stats. But the problem is, is that he's kind of in it for Scottie Pippen. And there's this famous game, and unfortunately for all of us non-Scotty Pippen fans, this is the moment we remember. We don't remember the first three-peat. We don't remember the second three-peat. We remember this moment where the coach says, hey, Scotty Pippen, you're going to inbound the ball, and Tony Kukoc is going to hit the game-winning shot. And you know what Scotty Pippen does? Refuses to go in the game. Let's not be like that, right? There's simply times where we just need to obey God where we just need to follow. And and you could say, well, that's so confusing because there's all these different commandments. Then there's this gospel thing. So there's like this law and there's gospel things. So I don't even know how to obey God. That's confusing, David. Let's make it simple. We delineated the gospel before. Jesus tells us what obedience to God looks like. What does he say? Number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love God. That's obeying God. Love God. And number two, love your neighbor as yourself. On this, all the law and the prophets rest is what Jesus says. And that's what obedience comes out of. It comes out of, am I loving God in my actions, in my fish tank? Am I loving my neighbor in my actions, in my fish tank? So my question is, in your fish tank, are you obeying God first? Now, we have interesting relationships, don't we? We have these mandatory relationships that we just can't figure out what to do with sometimes. And sometimes you may feel like this. You may feel like a two-year-old picked you up out of a store, threw you in a tank with bizarre relationships you would have never picked for yourself. In your neighborhood, in your family, at work, wherever. Congratulations, welcome to life. Now you get the choice. Is Jesus going to be the center of your fish tank? Or are you going to say, wow, I don't really want to do that. I want to try everything else. And I want to try to bring a shark in and see what happens. As we're entering the holiday season, we got Thanksgiving coming up. We got Christmas coming up. We got New Year's. 
Those can be three big times for family squabbles, for coworker squabbles, for neighbor squabbles, can't they? These are times. You have an opportunity. I have an opportunity. We all have an opportunity to say, wow, Lord, could we have Jesus be the center of my relationships? Not that everything's going to be perfect, but when I start to bring this idea of submission, reasonably going along with the expectations and asks of others to create peace and harmony in the legacy of Jesus, what I start to see is that brings a little bit of peace and that honors Christ and Christ is now at the center of my fish tank. When I act out of love as the foundation, do you notice that none of these is going to solve everything? These are just steps we take to say, wow, I want to have this framework of bringing Jesus into every area of my life and obeying God. So we have an opportunity at the end of each message. We always do a thing where we ask people to respond. And sometimes we make it really complicated and sometimes we make it really easy. We're going to invite our elders forward. And I'm going to ask you this question. Would you like prayer for your relationships? This could be your family. This could be your coworkers. This could be your friends. This could be your neighbors. If we're coming in, it's the... November, if we're coming into things and saying, wow, I have a fish tank of relationships, and they're just all over the place, and I would like some rhyme and some reason into them. There is rhyme and reason. His name is Jesus, and he's not only Lord of my life, but he can also come into my relationships. Not that I'm going to forcibly convert everyone to Christianity at all. It's I'm going to say, I have an opportunity to bring Jesus into the center of my relationships, to not live differently with the people I struggle with the most, but to say, Lord, what reasonable step would you ask me to take next? So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you are struggling in any way with a relationship, come forward, come pray with these people up here. We want to take reasonable steps together because life, if it's miserable now, it doesn't have to be. If it's decent now, it can be even better with the Lord. So I invite you to stand, we'll sing. Let's pray, and let's realize that the Lord is calling each of us to a deeper walk with Him.